For today's episode, we'll be covering IT security risks affecting tribes and their financial information. There's been an increase in cyber attacks, so we wanted to discuss a couple of important items. If you need to learn the basics of IT security, this episode is for you. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Inside in Indian Country podcast, your premier source of accounting and business discussions affecting Indian Country. Presented by REDW. Hi, everyone. This is Mustafa Kamal with REDW. I manage the software department here. Jen and I joined REDW around the same time. Um, I'm with REDW over 20 years. Um, today's topic is finance and accounting data security for tribal entities. Jennifer, do you mind to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Hi, Kamal. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I'm Jennifer Moreno. I am an information technology and cybersecurity consultant with REDW. And as Kamal said, it's been probably about 22 years since we both joined. Um, uh, just kind of a fun fact, I actually started out in the finance department at REDW and then gravitated towards technology. Um, I was pretty curious as to how technology was running and all the different things that you could do with it and making our work life more efficient and uh, just kind of uh, gravitated towards that direction. It was a, a big interest of mine. And so here I am today. Great, Jennifer. Um, today's topic, as I mentioned earlier, finance and accounting data security. Jennifer, what includes um, financial and accounting data? Gosh, when you are talking about what all encompasses financial and accounting data, we're looking at a myriad of things um, that's there. Uh, first, when you look at it, we're looking at our accounts payable um, data that we have, our invoices, W-9 um, business permits, um, vendor data that can go along with that. Uh, we can look at the payroll data that we have on board. We have our 1099s, our W-2s, all of our employees, personal information as well as their um, pay information that we have stored in place. When we're looking at accounting, we're also looking at spreadsheets that have data, whether it's your fixed assets or capital assets, um, maybe your journal entries that you're making, anything for the general ledger. Um, a lot of that is housed in spreadsheets. You don't already have it in an accounting system. And then we look at our software databases. We have our payroll software systems, our databases there. We have our accounting software databases. Um, and those can be either stored on cloud or on premise or on site. Um, so there's just a lot of variety of what encompasses our financial and accounting data. And um, just a lot of things that we need to keep secure with it. Excellent. Um, how do the organization manage and maintain their data? Um, there's many ways to manage and maintain the data. Um, first, we always have paper format. I know that there's always been that push for the paperless environment, but we're, we always have paper. <laughs> it's just inevitable. Um, but we also have, like I said, um, our software databases um, that, are, that are in place holding all this data. Um, we have our servers um, that we have either on site or we have actually um, servers that could be in a cloud, whether that's hosted in a private cloud network that the organization has, or there's cloud services for your payroll and your accounting products um, where your software and your database is in 
the vendor's cloud. Um, and, um, and then they maintain the privacy and security of that cloud data for you. There are different forms of data, as you mentioned. Uh, how organization um, securely share those data among uh, internally with the different individuals and externally? Um, to securely share this data, both internally and externally, there's a variety of ways um, that we can do that. We have, um, of course, our access controls. Those would be our logical access controls to our data. And so if you're looking, um, for instance, at a Windows environment, we have what's called Active Directory. And that's where we set up all of our unique user accounts for our employees. And then our employees um, are assigned, hopefully, to security groups that have been created in Active Directory. And so those security groups, for example, payroll and accounting, would have access only to the data that they should have access to. and somebody in another department um, should not have access to that data. Um, so we, we can lock it down through security groups in Active Directory. Um, we have ways to share data externally through um, secure cloud sharing um, options, such as ShareFile or OneDrive, or there's Box or Dropbox options um, that can get a little tricky because sometimes you have too many people sharing too much information and you don't know who's actually viewing the information when you're using some of those options, such as OneDrive or a box. Um, ShareFile is a pretty secure situation where you are um, um, able to you know, uh, decide who you wanna share that with um, by just emailing a link to them and they can get access to your data. OneDrive and box options, if you don't have the security set up within those options for secured folders and who has access to them, then um, there could be a bit of an access control issue on who can see the data that's stored in those locations. Um, another thing that you can think about though is encrypted email to file uh, securely file share. Um, as we all know, email right now, it's, it's done in clear text. It's not secure at all. And we have no control over it once we hit the send button. Um, it takes many hops to get to its intended recipient. And sometimes it doesn't get to the intended recipient or it's intercepted along the way. So we don't ever wanna send information in an unsecure email, but there are encrypted email options out there that you can use um, to safely share that information if you wanna do it through email. As you mentioned, there are many different ways uh, people share data within and outside entities. In this complex environment, how do they protect their data? Oh gosh, when you're looking at protecting your data, first you need to think about um, policies and procedures. Um, you should definitely have some type of a protected data policy in place and also a data retention policy in place so that you don't have hordes of data sitting out there from 20 years ago that you don't need. Um, that's just toxic, having that much information available if you don't need to have it. Um, there are, of course, um, instances where you have to keep permanent records, and that's fine. They're just identified in, in your data retention policy. Um, having a data steward will also help with that. That's the person that's going to know what data you have on your network and to know how it's secured and who has access to it. Um, 
Other things to think about is classifying your data. Um, what is your critical data? What is your sensitive data? What is just your day-to-day -day data? And making sure that your critical data and sensitive data um, have access controls so that only the people that need access to it can gain access to that data. Many a time um, working in software um, department here, uh, we encountered these issues. Uh, many of our tribal entities had a data breach. And as we know, because of that, they have fraud risk and uh, you know many other situations come in. Uh, the biggest is when they don't have access to their data anymore. Now, as you know, there are many other uh, different uh, situations where uh, th their data loss is huge. So how, what is the bare minimum they can do to protect their data? Um, bare minimum, uh, definitely access controls as we talked about um, through your network or um, within your software or accounting system, making sure that the right people have access to the right data or they have um, minimum access, segregation of duties of what they can do with that data um, to make sure that it's secure. Um, policies and procedures is always key, but you have to make sure that those policies and procedures are communicated to employees. Um, we write policies and procedures all the time, but do, we don't necessarily um, ensure that our employees uh, know about these policies and procedures. So communication is key there. We need to um, do a better job at training our employees, uh, security awareness training about access, about social engineering, um, we don't want others to be able to gain access to our data. And social engineers are very good at doing that, um, whether they're pretending to be the air conditioning repair person or the printer repair person, or you have people just kind of pop into your office and say, I accidentally left my sunglasses in this conference room. Can I go grab them? You know, we need to be aware that those are social engineering situations and, and we shouldn't um, let those people into our office and just have access to whatever they want to you know, get their little hands on. We also need to look at training for phishing emails, um, making sure that users aren't clicking links and um, divulging any information like their user credentials and into fake websites so that cyber criminals aren't able to uh, get into our network using our own credentials because we've compromised those in some form or fashion from a phishing email. Great. You also mentioned earlier that, you know, there are different ways of transferring data. Now, uh, can you talk about a little bit about those situations where we can minimize security risks? Uh, minimizing security risks. Um, um, we'll definitely... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, definitely using Suralink or ShareFile, you know, uh, putting uh, firewalls in and VPN, you know, how those protects us. Yes, absolutely. So um, short term, definitely making sure that you have firewalls in place to control your network tra traffic that is coming into your organization and making sure that that network traffic is being monitored. Um, if you have authorized remote access into your network, um, make sure that you're using a connection that's a virtual private network or VPN connection or you're utilizing a virtual desktop interface, which is called a VDI connection, um, so that um, it, those are both secure connections into your network, um, making sure that 
there's just nothing, nothing wide open there for you. Um, you want to also look at multi-factor authentication, especially with your remote access. Um, you know, it's, it's two-factor for a reason. It's what you know and what you have. And so if your credentials are compromised, the hacker may know that, but they're not going to get the PIN number on your mobile device or hopefully not in your email <laughs> that um, that's going to give you that second access level to gain access into the network with your credentials. Um, we're also looking at, um, especially in the work from home environment, instead of printing and scanning documents, um, looking at different forms of electronic signature um, to implement. And DocuSign is just an example of that. There's many solutions out there. Um, Adobe has a solution as well, but you know that eliminates us having to print and scan documents and making sure that if we are printing from home, that we are um, disposing of those documents in a proper way so that information isn't compromised. Um, as we mentioned, policies and procedures and training. Another good thing to think about is a governance council or uh, IT steering committee, having that in place that's meeting regularly, um, creating those policies and procedures for their organization and sharing information um, between all the different business units within the organization so that we know how to secure our data and everybody is following the same process for that. And then we also look at data analytics. Um, this is kind of the up and coming trend. Um, data analytics will help the business in a way that they're looking at a real time projection of what their financial situation is, um, trying to eliminate having to use spreadsheets that can be compromised or um, whether it's a malicious compromise, um, insider threat, or an unintentional threat because you know data has been fat fingered or a formula has been changed. Um, having that insight through data analytics connecting to your accounting system um, will help eliminate that data risk right there. Great. Talk a little bit about cloud versus on-premise solutions. So cloud versus on-premise, it's a cultural decision um, within your organization. Uh, cloud is definitely the trend right now, and it helps with disaster recovery um, for the, the most part. Um, when you have your accounting system in the cloud or your payroll system in the cloud, that vendor is responsible for its backups and um, any type of restoration that has to take place. Um, but you have to make sure in your contract that you know what those service level agreements are when it comes to any type of disaster recovery. Um, one thing when you're using a vendor um, with cloud storage is know where your data is stored. Um, you want to know if it's stored in the United States or if it's stored also offshore. Um, very important to know we have different laws um, between nations on how data is stored and recovery and, and who knows what else is, <laughs> is in those laws. But you want to make sure that you know your data is secure and that you have access to it at any time. Um, Cloud storage also allows IT groups to be more proactive in their roles rather than reactive with maintaining systems on their site. Um, however, when you're looking at um, a private cloud, that's something that your IT department is still maintaining. So you still have to have your backups in place and testing your data restorations uh, to ensure the integrity of the data is still good. Um, so it's just kind of a, a different take on a cloud environment. Um, a lot of people, though, they want their data there on site and they don't want to go cloud. And, and that's fine. 
um, the advantage is you know where your data is, you have complete control of it, and you just have to have the right systems in place to protect it. Excellent. What are your thoughts about outsourcing versus hiring within? Um, I have mixed feelings. I definitely feel that talent from within um, is great if you have the talent within and you can promote and keep the knowledge in-house and grow your team. I think that's great. It's a great win for the organization and the professionals. Um, but sometimes you just don't have the talent pool available if you need to hire. And um, sometimes you just don't have uh, those resources there. So outsourcing is always a good option. And when you outsource IT services, it doesn't necessarily have to be full-blown um, IT services that you're outsourcing. You can pick different niches, such as I need someone to monitor my network because I don't have those resources in-house right now. Or I need somebody to do my cloud backups for me and maintain that environment for me. So it's, you know, you can pick different areas. Maybe you need storage. And so they can uh, maintain and manage your storage if you need cloud storage. So um, there's different options out there for managed services within the IT department. And I think um, all of them are, are viable options and there's great, great managed service providers out there. So what are available options to assess an organization's current situation and solution to properly secure their data? The one thing we recommend to our clients, if, if you don't know where you are, are on that risk level, um, you don't know what your gaps are, conduct uh, an IT risk assessment to start off with and also um, do an, have an IT audit. And that can be either with your internal audit team or with a third party provider. Um, the other thing that we recommend is to at least annually conduct penetration testing on your network, um, see how hackers are able to get in from the outside. Um, there's always many exposures out there that we don't know about, open ports that, you know, maybe not might not be secure. Um, and so having that penetration testing done annually will help close up those weaknesses. And then also conduct vulnerability scanning on your network as well. Um, that's going to look at your different servers that are in there. It'll look at a whole lot of different things, but you know, it's gonna let you know if servers are missing critical patches and that are exploited by hackers. And there's a whole lot of valuable information at having the penetration testing and vulnerability scanning done. Great, uh, thank you, Jennifer. Um, if anyone wants to uh, have some questions and want to um, contact you, what is the best way to do that? Oh, absolutely. Um, if they would like to get a hold of me, you can send me an email at jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R dot moreno, M-O-R-E-N-O at redw.com. Thank you all. That concludes our podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope this time has benefited you. For more information or to connect, please visit redw.com.